Welcome back to Back in My Play. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and the Summer Dreamcast continues, and I'm getting one of the foremost experts on the Sega Dreamcast coming from Dreamcast, excuse me, the dreamcastjunkyard.co.uk, a place where I've gotten a bunch of educational materials, and it's just a great website to go and stay up to date on Dreamcast news and reviews, retrospectives, and, and great features on that. And I'm very happy to have on the show Thomas Charnocker. I guess Tom is is that a better better name? Tom Thomas is fine. I don't mind. Uh, Kevin, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, <laughs> a big fan of the show. So it's uh, yeah, it's like a, a meeting one of my idols almost. <laughs> oh come on, because th- this is this is a, a mutual thing. Because like I said, for doing this whole summer Dreamcast series, you know, I was doing a, a lot of research on Dreamcast Junkyard, which like I was talking with Greg Stewart about this. Like man. Dreamcast Junkyard. Can we call it like Dreamcast Heaven or Dreamcast like I feel like like Junkyard, man. It's just it's just bad connotations with that. The, the, where the name came from was when I first started the blog. Um I was collecting all the games that I had previously uh, in mm-hmm. my collection and I was living in a shared house with about four other guys and so my room, my bedroom just became this junkyard of Dreamcast stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I thought it was a really appropriate name for, for the blog when I started it. So yeah. Appropriate. And um also I want to mention just right off the bat, um if you want to hear more Dreamcast stuff, if the summer of Dreamcast is not enough for you, make sure that you're going to uh not only the dreamcastjunkyard.co.uk, but you guys also have a podcast up on there as well where people can get even more Dreamcast love. And you guys, you know, focus on uh you know a topic per episode and things like that. So it's a little bit more focused discussion and I, I don't think you can have too much Dreamcast. So I really recommend people go over there and check that out. Use your favorite podcast application and subscribe and get some more Dreamcast in your ears. You're just constantly... like I'm surrounded by six Dreamcasts right now. Oh, likewise, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight... Oh my God. What's wrong with nine. us? <laughs> it's, it's not what's wrong with us. It's what's, it's what's wrong with other people to not have to not eight ha- Dreamcasts. <laughs> to not have a, a Dreamcast for it. And this is, this is something that... And, and I'm recording a bunch of episodes, so it is uh, a little bit confusing for me for when this stuff is going to get to the listeners' ears. But I, the problem is I bought you know, a couple of Dreamcasts, and then I, I, I knew about this a little bit way back when like I initially got in to like a real Dreamcast mood back in college, which would have probably been 2007. But the the whole deal with Dreamcast revisions in Made in China versus Made in Japan, mm-hmm. uh, and I narrowed in that, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been hearing for the most part that you're going to want revision zero of the Sega Dreamcast. That's the one to get, and... You know, anything else is, you know, that's kind of where the failure rate goes up. You know, revision one's not bad, but revision two is just stay the hell away from it. Yeah, I listened to that section of the the first episode of this series with interest because you are you're completely right. Um, revision zero is the one with the the, the really cool heat sinks and the, and the metal fan. And um, yeah, all of mine that I've got uh, are still working perfectly, perfectly fine. It's the later ones that kind of fail. Mm-hmm. So um, spot on with that, Kevin, yeah. Yeah, I, I ended up, and the reason why I have six is because I bought two, which were both like, I'm like, Revision 1, Made in Japan, those are the ones I want. I got two, and I'm all done. And then um, I ended up having, this is what happens when you do a retro game show, is that you end up having friends say, oh, I have a Dreamcast, you want it? I'm like, 
yeah, I, of course I want it. Um, <laughs> so I ended up taking a Dreamcast off of a friend that that he wasn't using. And then I was like, all right, well, I need Revision Zero console. So I ended up getting two rather cheap ones. One that actually was getting a, uh, it had the, and this is a cool thing about the Dreamcast. It's actually kind of easy to fix. And the, mm. or at least the common things are easy to fix, right? Because you have either the uh, the power connectors on the the like main power board on the left-hand side of the console, which sometimes the contacts get dirty or you need to kind of bend them back into place so it's making contact. And uh, also things like the disk drive not spinning up. A lot of times that issue, and this is what was with this console that I ended up getting for like $11 um, <laughs> was just the the little back the basically the 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 kind of tab or the sensor that tells the console that the the disk drive uh lid is closed wasn't working so i just added some kind of like double-sided not double-sided but um like thick adhesive to the back of the door thing that would hit into that sensor and then say hey it's closed and then it was fixed um so i you i basically fixed it off 11 dollar quote unquote broken dreamcast in two minutes and uh even the the simple fixes like greasing up those gears can really make a huge difference in the the sound that you're getting from that disk drive and just making sure that that plastic is really you know it's it's okay it's going to be good to go for for a couple more years and that way you can not be worried about buying a dreamcast and having it fail yeah with the uh, the good old lithium grease yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just saw a video on, on YouTube and it literally takes two minutes to, to do that yeah. stuff. And mm-hmm. then you're really, really good to go. It's made a significant difference in the, the consoles that I've done that too. And like the Revision Zero consoles, once you've done that, the fan is much quieter than the other ones. And then the drive is relatively quiet. So it actually isn't very loud. Like it goes against all those misconceptions that we've had of dreamcast consoles that sound like it it, it doesn't sound like an old disk drive it sounds like you know a like a rather rather nice console but um i digress because one of the great things that we can talk about since you're on the show tom is that we can do the, the the european like perspective of the sega dreamcast because everyone that i've talked to has been we've been talking about united states we've been talking about japan but now, the Dreamcast in Europe actually had, it seems to have had a, a much better life than it did in at least the United States. Japan probably had it the best. We, we probably won't disagree on that. But um, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious, during during the time of the Dreamcast release and its lifespan in Europe, and, and where exactly are you located? I'm uh, located in the UK. Perfect. So what what was... I guess what was the the feeling around the Dreamcast? Was it a hit, and uh, was it something that people you know really you know jumped on in terms of a console to to support? It's um, it's it's funny you say that um, you, uh, you you kind of get this uh, view that the Dreamcast was successful in Europe because I I, I actually I kind of disagree with that. It was it was very much seen as a, an also run. Yeah, <laughs> um, the the PlayStation was king. Right, um, and the Nintendo sixty four had a little bit of a um, you know a fan base, but the Dreamcast uh, initially when it launched, it was um, you know really kind of wow, this new thing's coming. But mm-hmm. I don't I don't think a lot of people knew that it was from Sega because Sega dropped all of the Sega branding from the Dreamcast. That's in Europe. right. So people kind of saw this thing and they were like, "What? What is it? Who makes it?" Um, 
And one of the big things that Sega did in Europe, not just the UK, but across the whole of main, mainland Europe, was they sponsored a lot of like soccer teams. Mm-hmm, that's right. Um, Lots so, of soccer jerseys with the Dreamcast logo on it. Indeed, yes. So, I mean, the, the, the name was around and people knew what Dreamcast, well, maybe they didn't know what it was, but they, they knew the name. But mm-hmm. when it came to the actual buying of the console, it, I mean, it wasn't that much of a success. I guess I just... Maybe it was just because there were there were games that we ended up having to import from Europe because we never got those releases here in the States. I mean, mainly Shenmue 2, and mm-hmm. we were just talking before we started recording, uh, Headhunter, two really great AAA releases that Sega of America just decided to not even bring over to the States, but Europe at least still got them. Yeah, it's an interesting point, actually, because, I mean, it worked both ways. I mean, in, in Europe, we got a, a hell of a lot of games that um, you didn't get over there, but vice versa, the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. There were so many games that came out in the US or Japan that we never got, and it, it didn't make a lot of sense at the time. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple off the top of my head. You know, some of the uh, things like um, uh, things like Centipede and the Atari collection never came oh. out in the UK. Oh, um, you're not missing out on those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of a few that we didn't get that were, were quite big, big games over in the States. Well, um, and, and this is something that I wanted to bring up with you uh, as well, because it is something that shows the, the contrast between the West or I guess like, you know, the UK and just let's just say North America, because looking at the top 200 list that's on the website, um, I was <laughs> like, I was like looking like, oh, man, these sports games like nfl 2k is like really low on that list like that that was would have been or like the nba series is like 78 oh man those should be like in the top 20 like the sports franchises were uh gigantic for the the sega dreamcast here in north america yeah oh yeah um one of the just to um just i I think really it's because of the fact that they're um, american centric sports i mean we do have basketball and ice hockey in Europe and, and specifically for me, the like UK. NFL 2K, number 90. <laughs> like, come on. I think it's because a lot of people in the UK don't actually know how American football works. It's kind of like this weird rugby style game that we don't really have a lot of interest in. Uh, soccer games uh, are, are a lot more popular, but on the Dreamcast, th- there weren't actually any really good soccer games. So we didn't get the FIFAs or the <laughs> Pro Evolution soccer, That's you true. know. So, um, yeah, even though, they, I mean, don't get me wrong, I know that they're quality games and they represent the pinnacle of that genre from that era, but for whatever reason, people just didn't really get them. Totally fair. And it, it is. It, it was just funny when I was like going through that list, I'm like, man, two spots above Sega Swirl? I mean, Sega Swirl's <laughs> not bad, but... It's it is uh, maybe in a in a different league, no pun intended, than than NFL. Um, yeah. But but that is like if, if people are looking for a list of like, okay, I really want to, and this is the thing. I'm, I'm recording this like maybe three weeks since that first episode came out, and just the amazing response and in tweets and emails that people have been sending in saying. Wow, like I, I just went out, you made like this is the problem with this podcast. I severely apologize to to people who, who end up doing this, but they end up going out and they spend like two or three hundred dollars on a bunch of Sega Dreamcast stuff. And <laughs> if you want to know what games you should really start kind of narrowing in on, uh go go to the, the Dreamcast junkyard.co.uk and start looking at that top two hundred list because not only do you guys have a great list there, but also it has descriptions for you know exactly why these should be games that you should 
uh, consider. And there's there's plenty of, of fantastic games on the Sega Dreamcast. That's something that has come up across the series is that the the ratio of just fantastic games on this console is ridiculous in comparison to things like the PlayStation or the PlayStation 2. It it just has a lot of fantastic games and very few uh, bad games, uh, which is something that you can't really say for maybe a lot of consoles except for this and the Neo Geo Pocket Color. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, just because, um, I mean, compared to a lot of consoles, the, the Dreamcast library, certainly the, the Western, if you want to call it that, Dreamcast library, mm-hmm. um, is, is, is quite... It's not massively expansive, so the, the the ratio of really good games to like really crap games. Sorry if I'm allowed to use that language, but um, really bad games is um, is quite high. Uh, there's, the, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are some really bad games, but <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot more good games than there are bad games. Um, Kevin, can I just touch on something that you mentioned earlier? Absolutely. Um, yeah. you, you, you you said that the. Um, you know the Dreamcast launch uh, in the US maybe, or the Dreamcast launch maybe was was bigger in in Europe. Um, one of the main things that kind of really struck a chord with me about the difference between the two launches was the advertising campaigns, um, not just the um, the soccer team uh, sponsorship, but the TV advertising. Mm-hmm. Now in the states, I mean, I've looked at these adverts on on a, on YouTube, and I, I'm, I'm aware of them, but the the games. The adverts seemed to have a lot of like game footage, and it was like, you know, Sega's back. You know, the whole it's thinking. Right. Uh, it was a really impressive advertising campaign for someone like me who never saw it at the time. But what we got in Europe was these kind of weird, like arty sort of avant-garde type adverts, which showed no game footage. Oh no! You know, they they they, they didn't focus at all on on the actual games or the console. I mean, none of the adverts even show a Dreamcast. So. You know, you've got one of them, which is um, with a barber cutting a lot of people's hair in a um, mm-hmm. in a barber shop. Um, so it's like player one wins, and then uh, another one was a load of kids throwing stones at the sea, trying to hit this. Um, I think you call it a buoy, but we call it a boy. Yeah, um, and it was just like, what does this? What is this advertising? You wow, know? that sounds like super reminiscent in terms of at least that's how it was here uh, in the states for the launch of the PlayStation Three. Just really odd oh, yes. advertising, like the baby that's like crying oil out of its eyes and stuff. Yes, or... yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very similar. Yeah. See, you guys needed we we had um, we had Peter Moore at some point. So at least we, unfortunately we poached Peter Moore from you guys, and <laughs> uh, we ended up getting. Some of the best, I believe they're some of the best video game advertisements uh, because they not only leveraged the the games themselves, but they le- leveraged uh, athletes and really kind of like what were video game celebrities with, with Sonic and things like that to say, you know, hey, this is, is not just, you know, a games console, but it is really something that is above and beyond anything that's that has been out there before in terms of its processing power and, you know, that whole artificial intelligence idea and the the crazy we even I mean you've probably seen this like that one minute uh fantastic advertisement for the Dreamcast where you know, there's this Asian woman that's like breaking into a facility to steal yes. the Dreamcast yes. because it's some supercomputer that, uh, you know, this is again coming out right around the time of the Matrix. Um, but mm-hmm. this incredible supercomputer that uh, was worth all this effort to to grab just really great, slick, cool advertising that was perfect for, you know, 13 year old me for wanting to pick up this console. 
Yeah, I mean, I did listen to your uh, your first in the series where you described how you got the uh, you took the PlayStation to the store. And, Hell yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was very reminiscent of my own experience. I had a Nintendo sixty four at the time, and I I was I was trying to I, I couldn't I didn't want to take it into the store because they didn't give you very good credit at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was trying I was desperately trying to sell it through like free ads and you know and that kind of thing. And when I eventually sold the the Nintendo sixty four, I was like, yes, I can finally <laughs> get a Dreamcast. Um, but I mean, at the time I was at, I was at college, um, and I, I can remember going to like stores and buying games, and then speaking to my friends, and they would ask, "Oh, what system do you own?" I like Dreamcast, and everyone was like, "Isn't that a bit rubbish?" I'm like, "No, it's like you know, it's the uh, new thing," yeah. and it was because it was because of a kind of I won't I don't want to call anyone ignorant, but it was it was a, I think it was a failure on Sega's part to actually tell people in Europe how good the Dreamcast was that it was the next step. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 it was because of these TV advertisements that showed no game footage, actually made no mention of the console or who it was made by, that there was this kind of, um, again, this, this ignorance to, to, to what the Dreamcast actually was. It was only people like myself who were reading like the, 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 the specialist gaming press, you know, the magazines and, the, the, that, for example, the EGMs and, the, and looking at websites like IGN, for example, um, who knew what the Dreamcast was? It was it was really kind of it was a weird period because now we're looking back, you know, everybody knows what a Dreamcast is because it's kind of become cool again to own the system. Whereas mm-hmm. actually in 1999, 2000, even 2001, it was kind of seen as the butt of all the jokes. It's really it's really sad <laughs> to look to look back <laughs> on it like that because this is something that's come up in every single one of these shows that we've done, and it, it, it's all about just completely. Uh, missed potential because even going up to the launch of the PlayStation 2, like the Dreamcast still had enough power, had had enough, you know, processing power and graphical power to at least compete against the launched games for the PlayStation 2. Like there were plenty of games on the Dreamcast that looked significantly better than what we were getting on the PlayStation 2 at mm. launch. Uh, oh. So yeah. it, it just was, like you said, it sounds like it was just really, you know, poor advertising in, in Europe that really, really hurt it. Oh, massively. And um, again, just going back to your previous uh, episodes in the series, um, I was listening to those with such envy because you were talking about how, you know, people wanted to play NFL Blitz and you wanted to play um, Hydro Thunder and that kind of thing. And over here, there was just, it was, there was nothing. It was just kind of, the the system came out, you know, the the press were all over it. But Mm -hmm. in in, in the general public, everyone was kind of like, yeah, so what? We've got PlayStation and PlayStation 2 is coming soon. So we're not bothered. Do you know what I mean? It was kind of the silence. The, the silence was deafening. Do you know, it was just kind of like, yeah, it's here, but no one's really bothered apart from people like myself who grew up with Sega systems. Right. So I, I was like, I, I kind of latched onto it because I had previously on the Sega Saturn and that kind of thing. So huge yeah. mistake, huge mistake, and in, in not to stereotype, but it, it was a huge missed opportunity. But not having. At least, um, you know, at the time, like the the winning eleven or the Pro Evolution equivalent from Konami mm. on the console, they just there was no soccer game except for that that Strikers game, which was not super good. Indeed, yeah, um, it was called UA for Striker over here. Um, I believe it was at Striker two thousand in the states. Uh, I think it was. Um, I, I forget what it was called. It, not many people had it. <laughs> I can I can believe that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It was it was Virtua Striker two. Oh yeah, Virtua Striker two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that's not really a, a soccer game. It's more of an arcade experience. It doesn't yeah. really 
yeah. Anyway, sorry, we're uh, we're digressing. <laughs> no, I mean that's that's okay. This is you know again, I want this summer Dreamcast to just be you know people celebrating this console. But I mean, we we do have we do have some some cool things to hit on. So we might round ourselves back to this. But um, one of the reasons why I definitely wanted to have you on the show as as someone that is a, a huge part of the current Dreamcast community is to talk about. And this was even you know back in two thousand and nine when. I don't know if I talked about this much on the show, but I really got into um, I got into arcade machines, and mm-hmm. um, not only did I have some like real dedicated arcade machines, but I ended up converting uh, this one cabinet uh, into what was basically a Dreamcast arcade machine. I got these, and I forget what they were. I believe there are the there's a community out there that converts Mad Cats old Dreamcast Mad Cats controllers because they are digital. Um, there, the, the buttons are, I guess the, I forget what it was, maybe like the certain buttons, I believe it was the trigger specifically were, okay. uh, digital on that controller where they're analog on the original Dreamcast controller or something like that. Anyways, it became easier to solder, you know, wires to those buttons and yeah. those corresponding whatever directions on the, the pads themselves. So then you could then wire them up to arcade buttons. So, um, I ended up buying a couple of those from a guy and you could just throw in a VGA monitor into the, uh, arcade cabinet. And then you could hook all those, you know, buttons and you can hook up the directional pad to a arcade stick. So you could have two base, you could basically have a Naomi arcade machine that was running through, of course, a Dreamcast and and discs. So, mm. uh, where was I going with that? Okay, so when I got into all that stuff, not only did I want to have you know all the great Sega arcade ports and the Midway arcade ports, but I found there was a huge, it was a huge community of of homebrewers that were bringing over uh, other games via emulation, but also there was. A, a whole like a whole realm of great side scrolling beat 'em ups with this engine the Beats of Rage engine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which you can clearly see it's coming from Streets of Rage, but Beats of Rage where you could just even forget about IPs and, and copyright and just put whatever <laughs> that you whatever uh, you want in there, whether it be aliens or Resident Evil or or whatever. And uh there was just tons of different uh, Beats of Rage series. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, the the health of the homebrew scene and maybe some some homebrew releases that that people could or should I should say uh, check out. Yeah, totally. Um, before we go into that, I mean, I, I, I'm taking you you, dif- you differentiate between homebrew and indie. Yeah, I, I guess maybe what we'll do is because what I have down here is I have I have, I have Beats of Rage and there was also uh, a bunch of PC ports like people ported uh, you know Doom and uh, Quake and stuff oh, like yeah, that yeah. to to the Dreamcast and actually they run incredibly well uh, again basically because thanks to the the uh, I don't know if that was because of the Windows CE or just because the, it was so close to PC architecture and that thing but um, mm-hmm. also uh, specifically we'll talk about this and talk about actual, actual Dreamcast emulation later but uh there were some really decent emulators for uh the nes and decent ones for the the sega genesis uh for the the dreamcast you could also play those games as well but you can go anywhere you want yeah yeah um, okay and going back to beats of rage as you say yeah it's based on the streets of rage game and uh yeah there are some fantastically odd 
variations on Beats of Rage. Um, I was talking uh, to some people today, actually, before I came onto the onto the podcast to uh, to get you know their ideas of what the, the most ridiculously weird Beats of Rage versions are. Apparently, there's one based on Ed, Ed and Eddie. You know the TV Jesus. show. What? Yeah. Like- <laughs> I was like, what? The- really? And this guy's like, yeah, yeah. There's one based on Ed, From Ed and like Eddie. Two thousand and two. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah that was probably one probably the weirdest one i've heard of but i mean there, there are things based on like x-men you know there's things based on That's right. I, one of, I think there's one of the best ones i've seen was was based on the king of fighters and yes. it used all the sprites from from the king of fighters games and it's, it's got like a whole story mode built into it and you've got you know characters that come in and give these big speeches and then it just has this whole narrative you know and i'm just like mind blown you know that this people who are actually putting this amount of effort into creating their own games kind of like you know i know it sounds completely on a tangent but for example i got the new um the new doom for the ps4 and i know that it's got a thing in it called snap map where you can make your own levels mm-hmm. and it's it, it kind of reminded me of that you know it's kind of it's got its roots in this in this community, you know, where you can t- basically take the basic elements of a game like Streets of Rage, apply this Beats of Rage skin to it, and then basically put anything you want into it as far as your imagination can take you, you can go. So, um, yeah, Beats of Rage is definitely one to, uh, to check out. I, th- I think it's amazing, to be honest. Um, you did touch on things like Doom and Quake as well. Um, with Doom, um, I mean, because it's, uh, it's, it's such an open an open architecture really if you want to call it that the dreamcast it's you know it really easily deals with things you know like basic geometry like you know the doom engine Mm -hmm. and um there are just like with beats of rage a a phenomenal number of total conversions and things that you can play on your dreamcast um i think one of the best ones i played is a a golden eye 007 you know the nintendo 64 game yeah, somebody's done a total conversion that you can play on the Dreamcast and, and basically uses the Doom engine to recreate all of the levels, even things like the um, the Savanaya level where you're outside in that, you know, with the big Whoa. telescopes and everything. And it's just like, it's really crude, but you can see what they're doing and it's, you can't help but be impressed with the, the amount of accuracy they've gone to. Even the, 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 the sprites of the weapons are basically scans of the... The, the GoldenEye 007 screen and then put into the game. So, Whoa. <laughs> <all> the <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, um, I've been really... Okay, this is a problem, is that I now have basically just Max, and I've been really mm-hmm. getting that itch to, like, install a like a, a virtual machine version of, of Windows just so I can get Disk Juggler up and running yeah. so I can play yeah. some of this stuff because it like the more and more over the last couple of weeks as I was looking through this stuff, it, it was mostly like the Beats of Rage stuff because I didn't realize really how graphically impressive a lot of that stuff was in mm-hmm. terms of like the, the Resident Evil stuff, the the Aliens versus Predator. And um, yeah, I totally forgot about the the King of Fighters stuff, probably because I really wasn't into the King of Fighters or Neo Geo stuff until a couple of years later. Um, mm-hmm. But just really great stuff. And it was Senile Team that, that put together that engine. And like you said, you can really kind of drag and drop sprites into that thing. And uh, there, there's a hell of a community still making new versions of Beats of Rage for it. Yeah, I believe Snail Team are actually working on a new engine, a new game engine. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what form it's going to take, but apparently it's going to be one of these engines that you can basically manipulate, just, you know, use yourself. Um, on the subject of new engines that will allow you to make your own games, I know, I don't know if you're familiar with the guys from Elysian Shadows, 
who are oh. currently working on a um i don't know if if we wanted to bleed this over to like indie games totally yeah absolutely okay. yeah um yeah, there's a new indie game that was kickstarted. Uh, I think it was maybe two years ago now. I mean, the guys are still working on it, but it does look fa- uh, fantastic. It's a, an, an RPG for the Dreamcast and PC, I think. And um, they're working on this thing called the Elysian Shadows Toolkit, which will allow, allow people who want to make their own games to make games for the Dreamcast in this engine. And, I mean, I spoke to them a couple of weeks ago, and they assured me that this this engine is not just going to be for people who want to make 2D RPGs. Basically, it's that... It's that versatile that you can change a line of code and instantly it becomes a a, a 3D first-person shooter engine or oh, a racing game awesome. engine or a 2D platform engine. And it, it, it seems so versatile. It almost seems too good to be true, but I'm assured that it's actually real and they've got it up and running and they will be releasing it when they release their, their flagship game, which is called Elysian Shadows. So is it's exciting same, times. Is this the same group that did uh, Pierre Solar? No, no, uh, but uh, it, it, the, the game will be on along those lines. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting you speak about Pierce Solar as well, I mean, because that is, you know, another flagship indie game that came out for the Dreamcast recently and then ported to other systems. Um, the, the, the indie scene for the Dreamcast is, you know, to be a fan of the Dreamcast in 2016, you, you kind of really need to be aware of the, the indie scene as well because mm-hmm. it's what's keeping the system going. Absolutely. I mean, I know we've got a massive library of amazing games and unless you are a die 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 hard fan you can't possibly have them all but if you want new experiences on the dreamcast and see where you know the technology can still be used today then indie games are where you need to look and i know a lot of the games that have come out since the dreamcast's natural kind of life was ended by sega all those years ago it seems um a lot of the games that have come out have, have mainly predominantly been 2d games like schmups and, and puzzle games but the quality is still there it, they, they are you know some of them could quite literally have been triple a games you know that were released during the life of the dreamcast so with that in mind you've got things like sturmwind or sturmwind as it's pronounced in its native tongue german <laughs> um which i don't know if you've played this one kevin no, is it? Um, I mean, this is this is probably a good, a good point to also bring up. Like, I remember the last, um, like, it wasn't it wasn't an official release, but it was when like the indie stuff really started getting some attention. Was mm. Last Hope, right? So I'm guessing yes, it's kind yes. of like a, in the spirit of Last Hope. Lots of like you said, you know, two D side scrolling and, and I should say vertical and horizontal shooters. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, I mean, th- there are a lot of them, and not not all of them are you know seen as you know, brilliant examples of, of the uh, of the indie. I don't know if you want to call it a genre, but mm-hmm. um, things like Sternwind. Uh, that one in particular is held aloft as the, the the pinnacle of indie games on the Dreamcast because it just looks so amazing. It sounds amazing. The the, the visuals really are what you would expect from a you know a triple A developer like you know Capcom or someone like that. Um, that is a, um, a vert- uh, it's a it's a horizontal. Well, it, sometimes it's horizontal and sometimes it's vertical. Shmup, shoot them up. Whoa, um, so I'm so looking you, at it right now. This is really, really good looking. It's amazing. You've got things that you've got like FMV backgrounds that kind of move independently of the the foreground. Um, it, 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 it's got things like ach- achievements and, you know, it had, um, it, you could use the SD card reader to record your to record your replays, you could upload your high scores to a uh, an online leaderboard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this came out when was it? Two thousand and thirteen. Says it's looking like uh, two thousand and fourteen for one hundred and six mm. US dollars. 
Yeah, it's not it's not a cheap game. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that that's a really good one to uh, to have a look at. Stormwind. I mean, I've got a list here of some other really high quality uh, indie games. If if you don't mind me, just kind of going through them. Absolutely. That's this is what this is all about. And I'm I'm poking around right now, and this is this is one of the issues. Like, if you don't jump on these indie Dreamcast uh, releases, like the physical releases, when they do come out, they basically disappear and like games like this and, and last hope are, you know, well over a hundred dollars on, on eBay and stuff like that, if you want to pick them up. But, um, I'm guessing there are other alternatives if you would like to burn them to a blank CDR and maybe just take a look at them. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's other games, there's things like Gunlord, which is a, um, a 2d, a, a side scrolling shoot up. Um, do you, have you ever played a game called Turrican? Oh, of course. Okay, great. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm I'm a big I'm a big proponent of Mega Turrican. That's my favorite in the oh, Turrican series. Excellent. Cool. Well, you'll be right at home then with Gunlord because it's basically an an homage to brilliant, brilliant game. Looks amazing. Plays really well, and it's got levels which are kind of interspersed with the main game, which becomes a a two D side scrolling shoot 'em up. Mm-hmm. So it's got a little bit of variety as well. There's a a top down rally game called Rush Rally Racing, which kind yeah, of I remember looks a bit that. Like yeah, that. wow. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You've got things like Wind and Water Puzzle Battles, which is uh, a puzzle game, as the name suggests. Uh, one that came out this year, actually, 2016, is a game called Leona's Tricky Adventures. And that had uh, a bit of a troubled history. It was originally a Kickstarter that failed, mm. and then they the developer KTX funded it through donations and pre-orders, and it actually released this year. And it's a it's it's a it's a it's a role player stroke puzzle game. So you, you kind of have this massive overworld map, and you you walk around, and then you come to these little um, terminals, and then you activate like a puzzle game. So it kind of has two different styles of play. That's that's really good. That's Leona's Tricky Adventures. Um, God, there's so many. Um, you've got things like the Ghost Blade, which came out last year. That's another shooter. Ducks and Redux, uh, Pier Solar, which you mentioned earlier. But th- there's still things to come in the future as well. You've got things like Slave, which is a, a first-person shooter, stroke mm-hmm. puzzler. Um, you've got Alice Dreams Tournament, which is a Bomberman-type game. And again, uh, Elysian Shadows, which I mentioned earlier. So, you know, there's there's so much stuff happening you know, for the Dreamcast in the indie scene, it's, it's, it's phenomenal, really. That a system this old still gets so much attention. Let me let me ask you about, and this is something I'm going to talk to uh, Wes at, at Retro Fixes as well about, but um, that, that SD card reader that goes into the serial mm. port, that's, is that, like, useful at all? Yes. Yes and no. It depends really what you want to use it for because in, a, in order to get the best out of it, you need a thing called Dream Shell, which is how you kind of load uh, ROMs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, can, you can get basically you can get uh, game files, which are uh, like ISOs, like SD ISOs. So rather than burning them onto a disk, you put them on an SD card. Well, but- hold on one second, because um, now I was poking around and Gunlord is also available on a friggin' Neo Geo MVS cart. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think, it, was it originally... I'm pretty sure it was originally a, a Neo Geo game. Whoa! Um, yeah, this is this is crazy because uh, I, I mean, again, I, I did I do various spurts of getting obsessive about different video game consoles, and I went through a pretty heavy MVS phase, very expensive MVS phase, um, <laughs> yeah. and I uh, just kind of it, it is really cool to to see this, but it actually looks like. Uh, Okay, there is a website called ngdevdirect.com, and they have a 
Dreamcast bundle that includes mm-hmm. Gun Lord regular edition, uh, Fast Striker 1.5, uh, Last Hope, and uh, all for 80 euros, which is probably like actually, uh, it's called, was that like a hundred dollars uh, now? It's probably about a thousand pounds now after the uh, UK left the uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Union. <laughs> oh, geez. Hopefully that gets figured out. Okay, that's about $88. So for about $90, you can get access to, you know, three of, you know, the best um, indie games on the, the Dreamcast. Actually, I think I'm going to order this. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good, really good deal. Yeah, there was a lot of um, chatter about this deal when it actually launched in the Dreamcast community. So it's uh, highly recommended. Oh, all right. Well, um, I'm... I'm curious. I'm guessing they just burn these like you would via disc juggler. Um, so they're probably just on like blank CDRs or something like that. But it would be cool to at least have like the jewel cases and all the artwork and stuff with that for for $80 for three games for the Dreamcast in 2016. That's not bad. No. So added to cart. I will get back to that once we are done uh, <laughs> recording. Um, as long as the shipping is not in incredibly uh, high. Um Okay, yeah. So we're we're, we're kind of uh, going really into the the indie stuff uh, right now. But yeah, I mean, you you mentioned a ton of stuff so far. Is, are there any un, excuse me any uh, other indie games uh, that we should definitely hit on? You mentioned um, Scourge. Um, oh um, yeah, Scourge is a um, is a, see that's that's a quite quite a weird one because it's had different name changes, and I believe I believe it's now called Hypertension. Um, okay so i'm not entirely sure what's going on with that game but it's been in development hell for quite some time and i think it's kind of been put on the back burner while the team works on a game called slave yes yes. i think that one is kind of still in limbo slightly so it looks impressive it looks really cool but i don't i wouldn't hold my breath for it anytime soon i'm gonna get on Next time I talk to Mike Micah, I'm going to get on him to mm. see if we can put together a port of iDarb for the Sega Dreamcast, because I think that would port over really well. You got four controller ports. You got um, you know plenty of graphical capabilities to run iDarb. We just got to see if we can wrestle that exclusivity out of Microsoft for, for a Dreamcast port, or maybe we'll have to wait till that exclusivity uh, ends. Yeah, when you speak to Mike, could you ask him about the Jag- Atari Jaguar version of Bomberman, which he's been? I, you know what? <laughs> I, I've I've been asking him about that lately, and he's kind of been like avoiding the question a little bit. So I don't know if it is actually. I, I don't know if it's because they're going to do something with it, like really cool, which is uh, totally a possibility, or maybe that zip disc just died um but yeah you bet your butt i will ask him about it uh next time i i talk to him because yeah that's uh that is some some history on that zip disc that needs to be needs to be saved and 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 preserved for the future um who knows maybe it was only like one level or something like that but maybe if we can port Bomberman, because if you think about it hudson just doesn't even exist anymore i know they're owned by who owns it now? Like Square Enix owns the Hudson properties or something like that. Oh, I right, no, you know what it is? It's Konami that owns uh, Hudson, <laughs> which is even worse. <laughs> so never mind. That's never going to happen. Um, 
Okay, so I think we we hit on a lot of the indie stuff. We hit on um, Beats of Rage. We made sure we, we talked about that. Um, talking about uh, Dreamcast ports. I know we, we talked, and this is like weird, where there are a lot of uh, first-person shooters that get ported to the Dreamcast, even though the Dreamcast is not a really good FPS machine with a controller. If you have mouse and keyboard, it's another story. But um, seeing the uh, ports of things like like Quake runs like man they should have really just released like a port of Quake on the Dreamcast because it yeah. runs perfectly on it um i don't know if there are any other like homebrew or like weird i guess like homebrew ports to the Dreamcast that that come to mind for you um there's a couple which are original games one of which is called Neverball which is mm-hmm. do you, uh, i take it you're familiar with um Super Monkey Ball of course of course, yeah. It's it's basically a, a kind of a, a take on that. It's it's basically the monkey ball that we never got for the Dreamcast. So you you basically control this little ball and you move the table around and it you know moves as you would expect. Uh, that's never ball. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's freely available to download and burn. Um, there's a game which is quite interesting called Powder, which is a roguelike RPG, which um, was actually originally meant to be a Game Boy Advance game, but was then ported to the Dreamcast. And this is a very basic to look at, a very basic role-playing game in the old-school traditional sense of, like, insta... Uh, sorry, permadeath. So if you die, that's it. You have to start the game again. Mm-hmm. But it's full of puzzles. It's full of stats. It's full of secret passages. And it's basically like a top-down. Imagine when you're inside the dungeons on uh, Legend of Zelda for the, you know, Super Nintendo or right. one of the older. It's kind of like that. And uh, it's 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 just so charming, you know. It's just a really charming game. It was done by one guy on his own, um, so that's uh, yeah, powder. That's worth checking out if you uh, if you get the chance. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really just a, a case of having a look around the internet because there's that many. We couldn't possibly go through them all uh, on the podcast, you know. It's uh, well, one that is worth bringing up, and I almost completely forgot about this. This was like a joke, um, but they actually did it, and it came out and you can download it uh which is vulgar the viking oh yes yes I've, actually got this, I've got this written down and i forgot it yeah yeah sorry i'll let you i'll let you go on no, i mean i've although i played very little of, of vulgar the viking when it came out on a um it was like an xbox game games yeah. with gold release and I, and I got to play a little bit of that but um i haven't really taken a look at the dreamcast version does it hold up for the dreamcast oh, port it's 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 perfect it's exactly the same really i mean oh. Oh yeah, it's it's completely the same. It's exactly the same game, and that's why there was such a a big um, what's the word like a, a frenzy when it just suddenly appeared. Mm-hmm. Somebody was like, "Oh, by the way, now it's available for the Dreamcast," and everyone's like, "What? What? When? How?" <laughs> and then you know you can download it, burn it, put it on a Dreamcast. You know, it's self boot. You don't need to use a a boot disk or anything like that, and it just runs and it's amazing. Lovely pixel art graphics great sound effects, great music, you know, it's got all the little things that you would expect from a, a modern game, such as hints, you know, little things come up on the screen telling you what you need to do next. Um, it's ridiculously difficult, but, you know, you can't hold that against it. It's just a really charming game. And uh, I think a couple of people have actually created dual disc um, artwork for it, so you, need, you can now download and, and burn that and put it into the box so it looks like you've got a, a, an official version of all the biking oh rad that's awesome <laughs> Um, it, yeah. it, this is this is something that uh, I think we should also discuss. It's not it, it is the grayish area of of homebrew and Dreamcast ports, and this is the stuff that 
Like if you go to to eBay right now, like I don't know why this is allowed, but maybe maybe eBay just doesn't care because it's Streamcast stuff. But the uh, there are plenty of sellers out there that are selling games like uh, Battletoads, uh, Beats of Rage version. There's people selling Castlevania collections, which is basically like a collection of the NES Castlevania games uh, with a uh, a emulator wrapper with also some some hacks or some uh, like homebrew. Uh, reduns of the maps, uh, Jazz Jackrabbit that you can mm-hmm. play on on the Dreamcast, Me- uh, Mega Man, uh, the Power War, yeah, uh, which yeah. was uh, that wasn't that was an arcade game, but I don't know if this is the arcade game or if it is a Beats of Rage thing. Um, Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat uh, is another <laughs> good hack. Uh, that maybe this is the only way we're ever going to get. Uh, that game there's 1942 remakes there are lots of like weird ass super mario all-stars for the sega dreamcast um maybe uh games that are not really legal but who who, who are they really hurting by doing that stuff so maybe you can still pick them up i don't know yeah that's it's a good point i mean um what I will say is that a lot of these things that you do on eBay, they are readily available freely on the internet if you know where to go. I think these kind of things are aimed at people who maybe don't have the know-how or the technology or the equipment at home to, right. to maybe burn a disc or, or whatnot. So, that, yeah, you know, fine. Please, you know, feel free to do that. What I don't agree with are people who sell other released indie games and then, you know, say, this is a repro this is right. available for $50 or £50, you know. Mm-hmm. Certainly in the UK, I, I don't want to get anybody into trouble, but in the, at the moment, in the UK, certainly on UK eBay, there is a particular seller who is selling, air quotes, repros of games that were never released, things like Propeller Arena. And, and Half-Life games that were, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and games that actually were released, like the aforementioned NG Dev Team games, like Fast Striker, the ones we talked, talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he's selling them for more than the actual publisher he's selling them for. I just don't. I don't agree with that because people who aren't as learned as us, not really as involved in the community as we are, they'll see that and think it's a bargain when it's actually not. So yeah. that's the kind of thing I don't agree with at all. Yeah, a great thing to bring up. This even happens here in the the states where there are there's guys selling copies of Half-Life for the Dreamcast. Uh, mm. And what they did is they just made artwork for the for the disc case. So it looks like a retail uh, release. So maybe that is how they, they justify saying, like, you know, I put in the work to make a yeah. authentic-looking jewel case. But really, at the end of the day, you're kind of selling something that people can get for free. And even just having a copy of Half-Life on the Dreamcast is a little bit of a gray thing as as well. But maybe it's okay if you own... Like, who doesn't have a copy of Half-Life on your Steam account? Or uh, maybe you have, like, the PlayStation 2 version or you have that old uh, CD-ROM for the PC somewhere in your closet. But uh, that is something that is absolutely worth mentioning because always kind of look around first. And there are... I don't know if it is okay to call out like specific websites, but is there a website that you recommend going to for downloading the the homebrew ISOs and stuff? Probably the biggest one would be ISO Zone. Yeah, I, I was going to say that, but that they also have. I mean, they also have some stuff you probably shouldn't download, or you sh- it's not at least legal oh, yeah. to download. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, even if just going to Google and type in the name of a game and download, and you you'll find it. It's- there's so much there's so there's so many places now with you know with the internet to pick this stuff up and actually you know uh we mentioned uh 
Pure Solar, um, but that is a, a really beautiful looking game. I haven't, I don't know how good the game is, um, but it is also impossible to find, except if you want to pay a little bit extra than what they charged at uh, launch for it. So you, you'll end up spending like $60 or $70 for, for a copy, which I guess isn't too bad for something weird and cool like that. But you can also pick it up on Wii U, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, um, mm-hmm. Xbox 360, Xbox One. It's all over the place if you want to pick it up and not have to play it on your Dreamcast. But why not? Why wouldn't you get that VMU support? Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. Uh, a couple other things I wanted to talk to you about before we do wrap up, and I'm looking at this, and we've already been talking for 50 minutes, but um, <laughs> we, we, we should talk about... I mean, I've, I've talked a lot about Shenmue 2 uh, last week, and this is weird how we're recording things, but last week I, I talked to Ryan Payton a lot about Shenmue 1 and 2, but um, I wanted to at least make sure that we covered Headhunter because uh, before we started recording, again, this is one of those games that got uh, no release here in North America, but it is a triple A high quality release and arguably, you know, one of the best games on the console, you know, top to bottom. So, I have not. I played maybe like an hour of Headhunter when I downloaded an illegal copy of it back in college. But I am looking at a physical copy of it right now. And those, I'm so sorry for you guys because you have the most fragile Dreamcast game oh. cases uh, that are just yeah. every time I buy a European Dreamcast game, the the case is either cracked or the little like thing in the middle that holds the disc in uh, like a yeah. couple of those tabs are broken off. So I apologize for that. But um, talk to me about Headhunter. What like, is this game something that actually holds up? Is it worth playing? Uh, what are your thoughts on the game? Oh yeah. I could speak, I could speak about Headhunter for hours. So don't let me, so, you know, wind me in. <laughs> okay. before, before we get into that though, just one little quick thing. The, the Dreamcast uh, European boxes, do you, do you know why they like that? Uh, I don't. I made the terrible thing before of like saying how much I like the look at look of them, but they are yeah. just really fragile. They are fragile. Yeah, they're, they're horrible. I don't think any of mine have got the hinges on. But the reason they're that that kind of that big is because apparently it's because the European manuals have got all the different languages in, so they need to sense. be they needed to be thicker. So that's why they're. Um, like this, this, this headhunter manual has uh, not only English, but it looks like it has French, German, and Spanish in it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, Headhunter, what a game! Uh, yeah, for those people who don't know what Headhunter is, never heard of it. It's a, it's kind of, I like to describe it as a bit of a mixture between Metal Gear Solid, um, Shenmue, and potentially a little bit of Grand Theft Auto Three mm-hmm. with the sort of the, the open world sections. So you play as this uh, this bounty hunter called Jack Wade, who lives in a um, a near future. Uh, is it a made-up city or is it i can't remember where it's set but it's a you know it's a, it's a, a near los future angeles yeah okay <laughs> so a, a near future made-up city called los angeles now yeah. <laughs> and i mean even from the get-go i mean as soon as you start the game you get these like uh, these fake almost robocop style news reports and it kind of sets mm. the scene that you're living in this kind of slightly dystopian future where not everything is you know as as kosher as you might like it to be and um yeah you, you, so you're a bounty hunter you've got no memory um it's up to you to stop this uh, this government kind of conspiracy that's happening and you do this through these amazing stealth sections shoot him up um stealth sections and you've got uh, these uh, open world motorcycle sections which uh, you ride around the city trying to defuse bombs and, and you can 
say cover in this, right? Like Gears of War. Oh, that yeah. was the thing that like stood out to me when I was playing it back in college. It's like, oh man, there's a, there's a cover system. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. As you say, you can duck behind walls, duck, you know, behind uh, boxes and things. Also, I like the way that you've got kind of like a VR missions style training mode where you can hone oh, your skills yeah. and yeah. you can kind of throw. I think it's a little like bullet case that you have that you can throw to um, alert guards, and then they'll come and have a look where you know where you've thrown it, and then you can like, kind of pop out and shoot them. Mm. Um, yeah, um, just a, a, cr- a criminally underappreciated game, but. You know, it should have. It, if this had been released in the states, it would have been massive, because it was. It's the it's the answer to Metal Gear Solid that the Dreamcast was looking for. Exactly. And one of the, one thing I will mention as well, which I don't usually talk about in any great depth, is the musical score. It's absolutely amazing. It's a fully orchestral score, and it's 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 brilliant. It. I can't I can't praise the game enough. You know, there's there's one level. Sorry if I'm burning your ears here, Kevin. I do apologize, but <laughs> no, I want this is I want to hear about this stuff, and I'm sure the listeners do too. We're talking, we're just hanging out this summer. We're staying inside. It's air conditioned, and I want to know about the Sega Dreamcast. Excellent. Okay, then. Um, I think it, this is not no spoilers. I'm not spoiling anything, but one of the first boss encounters that you come across in um, in Headhunter. Do you remember Metal Gear Solid Two when you get to the first boss encounter at the front of the ship? Of course, it's, like, that's like that's my favorite Metal Gear game. Yeah, it's, a, it's an iconic scene uh, in, in a game. Well, Headhunter has something similar, but you're on the top of a um, on top of a warehouse, mm-hmm. and you start to have this kind of um, this this battle, uh, this one on one battle with a, a boss character, and the rain's coming down, and the, the rain has made the whole of the floor slick, and it's got full reflections. The rain's pouring, the thunder's cracking, and you're like, I'm playing on a Dreamcast. I'm actually playing on a Dreamcast, a yeah, system that is so apparently not as powerful as a PlayStation 2, and yet I'm looking at something that looks absolutely amazing. Make no mistake about it, Headhunter is one of the best-looking games on the Dreamcast, easily. And that scene will cement it for anybody who's played it and seen it. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, I need I need to play this now. And I was looking up the, the company uh, Amuse, which... Uh, no longer exists. They developed two games, this game and then Headhunter Redemption, which was a sequel on the, the PlayStation 2. Mm. And uh, I, actually, it also came out for the Xbox uh, as well in North America. Um, but unfortunately, their old website and their Wikipedia article, um, it goes to a, uh, a website that now sells uh, pocketbooks. Oh well, and, and women's <laughs> women's Prada bags. So uh, you don't need to go to Amuse.com. It's, I'm curious what happened to the rest of the the team, but I'm guessing since the you know these two games were not really hits, whether you know they were quality or not. I remember uh, Headhunter Redemption being actually uh, pretty well received. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the. Uh, uh, there's two sequels, I believe, um, and both of them were quite well received. I mean. But I don't think either of them made the, quite the impact with the certainly with the press that, that Headhunter made. Um, oh God, Headhunter Redemption took place twenty years after the original game. Um, I guess it, it got it got mediocre reviews, but mm. the the first game is uh, definitely seems to be a game that you should at least go check out some some YouTube videos. But I picked up a copy for like thirty dollars on eBay, shipped from like Germany or Spain. I can't remember where I got my copy from, but you know, you just wait two weeks and you you can get a copy of Headhunter for 30 bucks and see exactly what we're talking about in terms of these like eggshell like Dreamcast game cases. 
Kevin, one other game that I just want to quickly mention and give a little bit of a shout out to is is another PAL exclusive, but it's called Evil Twin. Okay. And this is a game where you play a um, a, an orphan who goes into like a fantasy world, Mm -hmm. and it's it's very much a kind of um, a dark a dark twisted version of kind of like um, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, It features some amazing visuals, like really detailed, really like French. (laughs) <laughs> French visuals. It's a French game uh, initially, originally even, and um, yeah, it's a uh, Evil Twin Cyprian's Chronicles is a uh, is definitely a game worth checking out. It's very expensive, but if you can get it and download it and give it a go, then by all means do because it's uh, one of the ga- one of the Dreamcast later games, but certainly a, a very very good looking and quite a fun game as well. Yeah, I'm looking at some video of it right now on youtube and uh saying that it is french or european is a perfect description of the graphics of this game (laughs) uh it is very and it's you know i'm only looking at like maybe the first 30 minutes it's a very brown looking game but it does Mm. it's like a 3d kind of platformer kind of thing going on um all right i will definitely go and, and give that a a look as as well, um, there's something off the top of my head, but I mean, we, we like I said, we talked about uh, Shenmue Two a bunch, and uh, oddly, like the more that, and I and I am done buying games. Like I, I now have everything that I really want to own for the the Dreamcast, which is good. I'm down to, I'm up to like, this is gonna sound Thomas, you're gonna be pissed, but I'm like at like 14 games. Like I only need, <laughs> four, I only need these 14 Dreamcast games because I try to keep my collection as small as possible, but. Um, that's fair enough. Yeah, if, if you if you've got what you want and what you want, what you're gonna play, then right. why, why bother? Why bother getting all of them? For example, there's there's no need. Well, I was gonna look at um, a couple other games that like popped up, like Illbled. For some reason, goes for like a hundred and hundred plus dollars uh, mm. for the for the Dreamcast. That that game sucks though, right? It's not the best. Uh, this is another one that didn't come out in, in Europe at all. Um, oh, maybe so, that's why it's you know people importing it from the states too. Possibly, yeah. It is quite highly sought after though. And when it does come up on, for example, eBay UK or in in shops stores, it's uh, it's very expensive. Okay, good good to know. Um, all right. Well, I am going to make sure that uh, everyone goes over to uh, the dreamcastjunkyard.co.uk. Make sure that you're going over there and get some some more information on the Dreamcast, because if you have a question, it's probably been answered on that website. Uh, and if you just want to continue to go down the rabbit hole, that's probably going to be the uh, the best way to do it uh, going forward. But uh, as I'm kind of looking over the website right now, uh, it is still... You guys are, are still updating it. Is this just is this just you doing everything on the website? Not just me. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a team of about eight or nine, but other people have you know uh, varying amounts of input. I, I, most of the guys generally do the the podcast with mm-hmm. me and um, the events because we do live events as well. So we you know go to different expos and and have like a, a stand with all the different Dreamcasts so people can come play them. That's right. So, I saw some pictures of that on the website. That's really cool. Yeah, we we just I think it's just we we just brought together by a love of the Dreamcast. It's it's really cool, and I just want to thank you as well, Kevin, for all the shout outs and just having me on as a guest. It's been a it's been an absolute pleasure, to be honest. No, seriously, it's it, it is my pleasure, and uh, I want to again uh, just make sure people go go check that out. Go check out uh, the Dreamcast Junkyard Dream Pod podcast uh, as well, so that way you can get a just. Okay. Because the summer is going to be over at some point, guys, and then I have to stop talking about the dream, guys. I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to do some like, you know, boring Super Nintendo stuff or do some, 
<laughs> I don't know, maybe some Neo Geo games. I'm looking at my poor little, I got a, uh, again, one of the benefits of people knowing that, and this is a really good tip. If you like retro video games, don't be afraid to tell people about it because at work a couple days ago, someone brought in a bag of 20 Nintendo 64 games that were just like sitting at their house that they found. Nice. So they just brought them in. So maybe I'll poke through that and see if I can find N64 games just don't hold up. Dreamcast stuff does. N64 stuff rarely holds up. So I'll see if I can find something in that bag to, to do an episode on. But um, after this episode, and I'm trying to make sure I get everything organized in my head. So um, this may be the final episode in the summer of Dreamcast now that I'm thinking of it as we're recording. Um, <laughs> but there, I'm, I'm trying to put together, and this is a time kind of predicament here where I'm talking with Ryan Payton tomorrow. So maybe he can really drill it home that I need to continue and play through Shenmue 2. But I got distracted by playing through Doom on Xbox One. <laughs> yeah, it's a good game. Yeah. It is a fantastic... It is the most fun I've had playing a video game in a very long time. Uh, I'd, I'd second that. Second yeah, that. But what a blast. And then uh, since I just recently got, got an Xbox, I'm now getting all these old cheap games like Halo 5. I'm actually playing through that right now, which is... Hey, it's a Halo game. It's still pretty fun. Um, mm. So that's worth checking out if you are into Halo and like the crazy Halo music and all that stuff. But um, I think that is where we're going to pause for for right now because we could go all day and I, I do need to record some other interviews later today. So um, <laughs> what we'll do is we'll, we'll stop there. I will, uh, again, uh, mention that if, if you do enjoy this show, it means a lot. It become a, a Patreon at patreon.com slash back in my play. It helps me produce these shows uh, every single week. And I've been able to keep it weekly um, so far. So I really appreciate it if people do help. And uh, just really it is like every, every time I see one of those new emails saying like, you know, so-and-so is donating $1 per episode for back in my play. Like that helps me get, you know, re-energized over you know, a long day and helps me continue recording all this stuff and doing all the, the prep work and editing and all that stuff going forward. And also, if, if you are a Patreon uh, person and you are on there, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash the Dreamcast Junkyard as well, because oh. if, you, if you're going to support great content, uh, excuse me, I should say, uh, like if you enjoy great content, you really got to support it to make sure that it keeps coming. So uh, support Thomas and the rest of the team over there to make sure that they can continue to bring great Dreamcast content uh, oh, bless, well. bless you, Kevin. Bless you for that. Thank you. No, for, like, like seriously, this is this. We live in a world where if you want the content, <laughs> I mean, the content's free. You know what I mean? But yeah. uh, the the way that that content continues to get produced is when people that enjoy it support it because it also shows that you really um, and without ranting, it, it shows that you you understand and you appreciate the the work and the effort that goes into doing all this stuff. We don't just magically just end this recording and then it shows up on the internet. <laughs> like a lot of stuff goes, a lot of oh, stuff yeah. goes into, to all this stuff and, you know, paying for domains and hosting and, and all that stuff comes into play. So I always like to, to call out the, the Patreon supporters. So thank you uh, for, for everything you guys are doing. And also I understand some people aren't going to be into Patreon. So you can just go to fitcast.network. There's a tab on the right hand side. You can just make a one-time donation. And that is incredible. Like sometimes people make like, you know, a $5 donation. They're just like, like, I, you know, this is all I can do is $5. Like that's the best. That's the best. I mean, even if it's $1, it just says, Hey, I went out of my way. I'm supporting you and I believe in what you're doing. Thank you. And please continue to do it. And that's what it's all about. So 
Uh, thank you so much for, for tuning in this week. Thomas, thank you so much for, for coming on and talking about uh, more Sega Dreamcast. And I believe I will be talking to you down the road because there's going to be more Dreamcast stuff to cover. Pleasure, and thank you very much. All right, guys, that's going to be it for this episode. We will see you uh, next week with potentially Shenmue 2. I don't know. I'm going to see if I can pull this off, but I'm I'm playing those new video games right now, which usually aren't super great. But when you haven't had these new consoles and they've been out for like two years, you have a lot to catch up on and you can just play great stuff. So I will do my best to see what can what can happen. And uh, also just uh, stay up to date by going to at back in my play uh, on Twitter. And that way you can also, um, you know, see what's going on over there. Well, that's it. We'll see you next time. Take care.